When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, for example, if something is spooking you or there's something going on that's not right in your life, you're having an intuitive experience, you might get the chills, right? It's not like you're cold, you're not reacting to your outer environment, but your intuition is causing this effect, right? So, or even you'll hear people hear a voice in their head, like, oh my gosh, I just, I swear, I heard this voice say. The seven chakras, swirling vortices of energy positioned throughout our body from the base of the spine to the crown of the head. For thousands of years, this ancient wisdom has been passed on from master to disciple. What are the functions of these energy centers? And could these chakras help you unlock your destiny and find your true purpose? Welcome to My 7 Chakras. And now, your host, Aditya Jai Kumar. What's up, Action Tribe? AJ here, host and founder of My 7 Chakras, my7chakras.com, the show where we help you calm your mind, relax your nervous system, and experience deep states of bliss and happiness. In today's episode, we're going to uh, explore some really important topics such as uh, intuition, what exactly is intuition, the types of intuition that we can potentially tap into, how to access your intuition, how to trust yourself when you sort of uh, tap into your intuition and then find your uh, soul's purpose, and much more. So this is an episode that you'll want to listen to the very end because it's going to be really, really exciting, also actionable. So if you'd like to explore such topics in your car or maybe even at home, then make sure that you hit the subscribe button, especially if you're on your iPhone, because that'll ensure that you get all the episodes. And if you're on Spotify, then hit follow, because that does something special to the algorithm and allows our podcast to be in front of new eyes, new years, and I guess new mouths. (laughs) But... (laughs) Do that so that we are able to spread the word. And if you'd like to join our official Facebook group of our podcast, a place where all the exclusive conversations happen, and we do talk about breath work as well, then go to my7chakras.com forward slash tribe. It's my7chakras.com forward slash tribe. All right. With that being said, it's time to bring on our special guest for today, Kim 
Chesney. So Kim is the author of Radical Intuition, a globally recognized in innovation leader and founder of Intuition Lab. Her work has been featured or supported by leading edge organizations such as South by Southwest Interactive, Carnegie Mellon University, Comcast, and Hewlett Packard. While working as a leader in the tech sector, Kim recognized the tremendous role that intuition plays in business and cultural progress and set out on a quest to learn everything there is to know about it. And as a result of nearly two decades worth of research and practice, she has developed a powerful system that anyone can tap into to access their inner wisdom in extraordinary ways. So really, really exciting. And uh, Kim, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you tonight. Yeah, me too. It's supposed to be an auspicious night, especially in India, Indeed. because it is Diwali, the festival of lights. And uh, there's actually a uh, you know, transformation going on in India as well. And this started many decades back because, as you know, India and Diwali is associated with firecrackers. But people are becoming more and more conscious as they let go of that external firecrackers and realize the light that is within them, mm. you know, and the lamp within, the essence mm -hmm. within. And I think that's connected to our own intuition, right? It absolutely is. That inner light, that inner light growing so strong. That's such a beautiful metaphor. And it's a beautiful day for us to be having this conversation because it really all does tie together. Absolutely. So let's start from the very beginning. Where were you born and what was your childhood like? Well, I was born in a little town called Carlisle, Pennsylvania, um, a small town girl. And, um, you know, I think I had, I had sort of... Um, your colonial white picket fence upbringing in, uh, you know, 1980s America, which was really fun. Uh, if you remember the 80s. And um, so it was a really fun time to grow up. And I think that's, it's those times that really started to develop my interest in intuition. And I had a lot of intuitive experiences growing up. So uh, it all kind of stemmed from those childhood years. Amazing. And what sort of influence did your family have on your intuitive or spiritual development? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question because a lot of people, you know, we have this talk about intuition and when it happens to you, intuition can be something that people can either accept or not accept, right? So when you're talking about kids and it's so important with kids um, because kids have such a great intuition and they haven't really had it beaten out of them yet. It's one of these things that it's still alive and still so connected. And when intuitive things starts to happen with children, you know, parents can either encourage that or they can create fear and be like, oh my gosh, this is something to be afraid of, or this is crazy. And, you know, so it's, um, you know, working with intuition in my childhood was, it was, challenging for me because I think coming from a, a really sort of traditional Christian background, there's not a lot of room for intuition, especially it was, you know, more of the Protestant. I think in the Catholic traditions, there's more of, of a place for it with the Holy Spirit and a lot of the mystics. But in my experiences growing up in, in my little world, there was not a place for intuition. And so it was something I really had to come to terms with, um, on my own and really facing a lot of fears and a lot of uh, uh, sort of judgment from my, the people around me. And now they get it. Like my mom's very intuitive. She, she, you know, I inherited from her. I think it is something that we have a genetic propensity to, but, but I think there's just not that level of acceptance, which in the East, which I think is so wonderful about, you know, Eastern cultures, intuition is so much more integrated in daily life and acceptance. 
Mm. Right? Yeah, that's that's very true. And I think, uh, like we were discussing before this, India was India also is going through its own journey of realizing how abundant and vast our own heritage is, and going back to our roots mm-hmm. of realizing that there was so much of wisdom about intuition and the mind uh, and the soul. And uh, yeah, so we're going through our own journey as a country, as a civilization. Uh, but. Uh, you know what? What comes to my mind is uh, as I learn more about how children behave. Like a, a child always is looking at his mom, or her mom, or her dad, or his dad for approval, right? They're always mm-hmm. looking at the. So it's not so much about the words, but it's also about how the parent reacts to a certain situation or something that is happening around the world, or maybe that micro reaction that can make. A huge difference, right? In terms of yes. how the child approaches the world, even as an adult. Absolutely, absolutely, and and they, those little foundational moments. They they and this is you know I talk a lot about conditioning. If you read my book or you hear me talk today, I'm probably going to use that word a lot um, <laughs> because intuition is something that is really a counterbalance to this conditioning that we all get, and we get it from those very first moments with our family and with the people that we grow up with. You know, we're conditioned to think things like, "Oh, intuition's not real," or we're conditioned to think like our imagination and our creativity isn't as important as our intellect side, right? So, so part of really balancing these sides of our brains and really coming into our true being is, you know, stepping away from that conditioning and releasing it. Mm. And that can take years, right? Because <laughs> there are <laughs> yeah. so many, so many layers. But talking so about many you, layers. Uh, what did you want to become as a child? Well, the first thing I wanted to be was what every kid wanted to be. I wanted to be an archaeologist. <laughs> Right? Didn't anybody, everybody want to dig up dinosaurs when you're like, no, I think like everyone I talked to, like, oh, when I was a child, everybody just like wanted to dig up dinosaurs. (laughs) That that was my (laughs) first, my first love was I loved dinosaurs, (laughs) but I was like in fourth grade. So. Interesting. Yeah, that me too. I also wanted to be a archaeologist, paleontologist. Mm-hmm. And there was this one time where I was at my aunt's home and I was in the backyard and I was like digging stuff up and I stumbled upon a fossil, which I thought was, a, was you know, like a proper dinosaur fossil, maybe a T-Rex or mm-hmm. if I'm lucky a Triceratops. Yeah. Um, but what it actually was, was uh, the, the skull of a bull. Which oh, is still wow. good. Right? That's that's still and cool. <laughs> and I and I got it and, and and brought it to my aunt. And coming back to my first point of I was looking for approval, mm-hmm. but I think my aunt just threw it away. Uh, but deep down, I still wanted to be a paleontologist or an archaeologist. And I think what I really wanted to do was to use my curiosity right. and find and uncover answers, which I'm in a way doing right, right. now by asking better questions, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's so ex- interesting to know what a person want, wanted to be as a, as a child, because sometimes there are clues there. Yeah. And it's funny because I, I was thinking the same thing just before you said it. So we're on the same wavelength as, you know, it all makes you wonder if you think that was sort of our first intuitive calling to discover who we are and where we came from and the history, yeah. you know, and all our place in the universe. If I had an uncle who was a paleontologist <laughs> or an auntie who was doing that, and I'm also in the right place because I'm in Vancouver and in Alberta, you actually have places where you can dig up fossils. That would be pretty interesting because mm-hmm. I'd, I'd have my you know, hat on, my safari suit on, and I'll be out in the open just digging fossils. Awesome. 
<laughs> well, I lived in England for a while and in uh, Northern England. And it's so interesting there because um, there's so many fossils, like a friend of mine, uh, you know, I lived with her for a while and she was just planting flowers in her backyard and she's like stumbled onto Viking relics, you know? So there's so much mm. around and it was so exciting to see like these little fragments and pots of, of Vikings that had come to Northern England and you know, set up a whole life. And I'm, I'm Nor Norwegian. So it would also was pretty cool because it's my ancestry. That is so amazing. I mean, I just light up whenever there's any discussion about history or even ancient history, just to know the roots of humanity and where we sort of sprang up from. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite topics is Gobekli Tepe. Oh, I'm not yes. sure if you you're, oh, of okay. course. I watch yeah. ancient aliens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, apart from ancient aliens, I want to really interview somebody who is on the field mm -hmm. and is showing people around the temples, but also has some provable evidence-based knowledge that we can uncover. Uh, but the other side of the story is sometimes archaeologists and scientists and people, they hang on to do their version of the truth, right? Mm -hmm. Because if there's some new information, mm -hmm. then their entire career or what they believed in is at yeah. stake. Yeah, exactly. So we don't want to let go of those things because that means like admitting we were wrong, <laughs> you know? And nobody wants to be wrong. Nobody right? wants to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you end up doing in your career? What was like your first career decision early on? Like my first career decision or like my first job? <laughs> your first well, if it's different, then, you know, you can explore. Yeah. And well, more. you know, there's those jobs you get when you're in high school and those right. super fun. And, um, and then there's like the jobs that you love. And I think, well, my first, my first job that I had like for a significant period of time was, you know, I worked at a, at a health food store and this was back before there were really health food stores. And it was this wonderful little, um, um, family run store called Rhubarb's Market in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And it was this really wonderful time to, to be there because, you know, I was in college, it was my college job. And um, I worked there for like five years. And, you know, I really got to know this sort of, this sort of holistic culture, you know, at that point in time, like, I mean, it was just, it was so different. It was just, yoga was just like becoming a popular thing at that point. And I remember I had like chips and salsa for the first time, which was like crazy, right? Cause now like all that stuff we have all the time, but it was really mm -hmm. a different time and learning to eat in a way that supports our body and our mind and our spirit was a really, really influenced me and really I think set me on this path of where I am today and created this real foundation of holistic living in my life. That's so interesting. And I think these type of mom and pop shops or family run businesses are sort of the character that define our economy, right? And mm -hmm. unfortunately with what's going on right now in the pandemic, a lot of them are having to close down because it's they hard did. to- They closed their doors last year. So it was- did. Oh, there you go. I was like 30 years or 40 years they were open, something like that. And they did. Yeah. So- yeah, it's very unfortunate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Indeed. So then, uh, so you did that for the first five years. And then what did you do afterwards? I mean, I'm, what I'm trying to get is how did you stumble upon the field of intuition and realize that, you know what, companies and organizations need this information? Yeah, well, that's, it's a great question. And it's sort of a counterintuitive journey, because, you know, I, I had my whole college experience, and I went to college, 
uh, for oil painting. <laughs> that, I, I, that was one of my degrees. So my degree was in oil painting. I was a double major and also writing. So the writing paid off, right? And yeah. one side, the oil painting also paid off. Though everyone was, you know, my family was like, okay, that's a great way to go to school and be, you know, poor for the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, and I did realize shortly after graduating that I needed to eat. And so I went uh, sort of into the field of graphic design and went down you know, and learned, you know, some, some high tech stuff like desktop publishing, you know, got into the whole that and ended up getting into graphic design where I got a job working at the Technology Council in Pittsburgh. So um, my sort of gateway into this job was through art and design. But then once I was there, I started having these opportunities to work with technology companies and learn from technology companies. And what we did there was support technology companies and entrepreneurs and uh, really help people to innovate and create new products and make money and all of the things that, you know, are really important for the advancement of our society today. <laughs> so I, I sort of slid in sideways into this space through the arts and right. really just followed my intuition. And I kind of got this idea to start working with creative technology companies because I noticed everybody was out there supporting like data kind of companies and information-based companies, but nobody was looking at these intuitive, creative, artistic companies. So, so I wanted to focus on that. And so I started some initiatives to do that. I got some, I got a huge grant from Carnegie Mellon University and a lot of other places. And we did, you know, these research studies with the University of Toronto and, you know, we got Canada in there too. So, so mm -hmm. we just all kind of snowballed into this, um, sort of international movement that I became part of, where I got to work with leaders all over the world and people from like, a, like the coolest tech companies. And because suddenly it became clear that this intuitive side of technology was the future, right? Mm. We know where we've been with information, tech, information, IT, all that stuff, right? That's there, it's solid. But the future is mm. in innovation and design and creating these intuitive products that people can use, right? So, um, you know, when I started to sit in strategic planning meetings and hear people, you know, really super smart people with lots of degrees talking about how important it is to find intuition and it's this like holy grail of, you know, innovation, of mm -hmm. course, my mind was like, okay, like this is, you know, I loved intuition my whole life. So this really was all of my worlds coming together in that sort of experience. And, and that was really sort of what led me into this book, Radical Intuition, that just came out last week. And, um, and to create, I spent 10 years really creating this sort of understanding of intuition on a larger scale, not just as right. something personal, but also as something for our business and for our life in general. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, if you think about it, the role of an entrepreneur is so fascinating, almost miraculous, right? Because what they're doing essentially is they're tapping into a field that is beyond the whale and are accessing this ideas and uh, this wisdom and these hints and these nudges. And then they're translating that, making it more physical, and then giving instructions maybe to their team. Uh, and a lot of entrepreneurs get confused because sometimes they, they get the why. They get the what, but then they use their logical mind to do everything by themselves mm -hmm. with the how, right? And yes. sometimes it's better to let the best of the best do the how. Mm -hmm. Your job is to go deep into the abyss of the mind and extract that useful information and, you know, coming back to tapping into your intuition. 
Absolutely. You know, I was just working on the summit that I have coming up that is about all these, we have all these really cool insight leaders, I'm calling. We talk about thought leaders, but now I'm talking about insight leaders, people who are visionary, people who are leading the way um, by, by following themselves, right? So, you know, one of the secrets we always talk about with innovation is not keeping up with the others, not following others, not staying relevant, but by following yourself and leading the way. That is the secret sauce to creating something the world has never experienced before and the world wants from you. So intuition is that guide to that, you know, to that new frontier that only you can get to by following your own intuition. Interesting. So moving away from being a thought leader and moving towards being an insight leader. So what is your definition of expanding awareness? So, oh my gosh. How long do you have? That's like my number one, one of my favorite topics, things to talk about. And in the book, I go into it a little bit. Um, when I talk about it in terms of the three levels of consciousness, and and this is really just recent, as it relates to intuition, and I'm not trying to create some kind of psychological you know, model here for the textbooks, but uh, just something to help you people understand the levels of intuitive consciousness and this expansion of awareness, which is so important right now in our world, in our personal lives, everything, this process of becoming awake, this process of becoming conscious, right, is so crucial right now, especially in this this time when we're so addicted to our information and our phones and, and we're so busy and we're so caught up on this tread, treadmill of our minds, right? So stepping back from that, and moving into this intuitive space of presence and of stillness in the moment is really the secret to waking up to this higher level of consciousness. So talking about these three levels, basically, you know, we have unconsciousness, which is what, you know, honestly, a lot of us walk around in a lot of the day, some people more than others, but sometimes mm -hmm. we're unconscious of, you know, how we it, how we affect other people. We're unconscious of, you know, the, our actions in the world. We're unconscious of a lot of our feelings and our motivations, right? So there's a lot of that, that that we're all dealing with bringing into light. And the more we become conscious of it and aware of it, the more we wake up and naturally start to expand our consciousness and be able to really reach more level of awareness with our intuition. So the higher we raise, the higher we go up, the higher we're able to uh, like tap into these higher frequencies of intuition that, that really are only available um, in this sort of beyond mind space. So we become conscious and then we have to become Paramahansa Yogananda called it super conscious, right? And I love that term because a lot of people think that intuition is something from your subconscious or something that you're not aware of, but it's not. It's something from higher consciousness. It is the highest, most awakened state. You know, when you have an intuition, even though you might not always know the rational reasons around it, it comes from a place of higher knowingness and awareness, not of something that's affecting us from beneath and in an unconscious way. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. 
Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I could go on about that for hours, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's really, really exciting. And thanks for sharing this. Uh, we've go from unconscious to conscious to super conscious. And it sort of makes sense also if you look at the brain waves. You know, we're normally in beta, then we go to alpha, then theta, delta. But then the super conscious is, is the gamma. It's like mm-hmm. higher frequency when we have this epiphany and this realization and able to connect with a different stream of uh, of of consciousness i guess uh, absolutely right uh, and so what is then your definition of transcendence because you write about transcendence also right so i think transcendence and there's sort of a whole sort of ty- like manifestation of intuition that connects us with that and you know into the and also said that intuition is the soul's power of knowing god and, you know, whatever word you use for God, it, it doesn't matter because intuition is is all religions, all philosophies, it, it, everything. It's just we use different words for it. So whatever word you use to connect to the universe or the source or the supreme of human existence, your intuition is your connection to that. Mm. And when we understand that that, that that intuition is a pipeline to the highest wisdom, the highest knowledge, and really all of it geared to our own personal highest benefit, because the universe mm. wants us to grow and expand. Our consciousness are expand, is expanding like the universe is expanding. The universe wants us to grow and evolve and change and transform into something more. You know, we're not here to just sit and be. You know, I mean, the presence is important. Presence is a counterpoint to the distractions of the mind that we need. But Mm. if we're here, most of us still have things to do. You know, we have things, ways to help and try and fix this world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, that's really interesting. I mean, it seems like our consciousness and our need to self-realize and access this super consciousness is almost like a gift. Mm -hmm. And maybe it seems like a conspiracy, but maybe, maybe there are some neuroscientists who are working day and night to capture our consciousness and hook us onto our devices. <laughs> right? Yeah, like Westworld. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, right? It feels as if there's this battle of consciousness where yeah. intuitively we have this yearning, this desire to learn who we truly are and why we're here on this earth and to access these higher states of being. And yet... We can almost control it. We're hooked onto this notification brigade of dopamine hits that make us feel good immediately, but in the long run, it's not really good for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a substitute, really. And I think that's a sign of, of becoming conscious because when we're unconscious, a lot of times we don't have that desire, right? No. You know, you, we've all met unconscious people who like don't have any desire to know anything about the meaning of life, and they don't care about anything we're talking about tonight. Yeah. You know, <laughs> just not resonating with them. And that's just because they're in a different place. But once you start to wake up to the realities around you, um, you can't help but get a thirst 
to understand it because there's you realize there's so much wonder in the world. There's so much that, you know, we just experience this little bit of reality and there's so much more beyond. And, and we start to realize that it's exciting and it, you know, and, and it gets you fired up because you want to learn more and understand more about this world we're living in. Right. It's an exciting place to be in. I mean, it, it feels like we're still trapped, but we know where we need to go. <laughs> <laughs> we're still trapped. Right. And, and the, you know, and there really is a something to that, you know, and I, I, I feel like that a lot of times because I feel like our intuition is sort of our like way out. You know, intuition yeah. is like telling us this is how you get out of this place. Exactly. You know, Follow me. I'll get you out of here. Right. 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 <laughs> But it's, in the beginning, it's it's a still small voice, right? It's just a whisper until it gets louder and louder and you can't help but follow it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's always there. And that's what a lot of us don't realize. Everybody has it. And it's always there for all of us kind of trying to reach down and get our attention and, and bring us onto the right path. But we're, right. most of the time, we're either just too busy or we're just not paying attention. We don't hear it. Or sometimes mm -hmm. we hear it. We don't want to listen to what it has to say because it wants us to do something that's uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of reasons why we don't follow our intuition, but it's always there waiting, just waiting for us to listen. Very true. And if we have a conversation or we go outdoors and we interview people on the road and ask them about the different types of intuition, I'm sure we'll have different definitions and different exactly. perspectives, right? So what are some of the different types of intuitions that we can potentially tap into? Yeah. So, so that was one of the things when I was writing the book, I realized, you know, as I was talking to people about intuition over the years, and I, I do that a lot because I wanted to really, I wanted to gather ideas and I wanted to see what other people thought. And I realized there was just no unified definition. Everybody had a different idea of what intuition was. Some people were saying it's a gut feeling. Some people was like, oh, I just had this knowing. Other people had like this psychic experience or, or this like, you know, sensations in my body. And so people just didn't, really know what to think of intuition. And that's part of the reason why it's been so misunderstood. It's because it has so many manifestations. So I talk about in the book, the four intuitions, and really, they're just four different aspects of the one universal intuition, that one inner voice and guide, but, but it speaks to us in these four primary ways. So it's really four different ways to understand your intuition. And that's through your body, mind, heart, and spirit. It's very simple. Um, the, the same four cognitive functions that we use to process information from our reality, outside of us, we use to, to process information from our inner reality. So it can, your intuition can speak to you through feelings, through like gut sensations, through, through knowings, through epiphanies, through inspiration, through um, creative ideas, through passion, through being moved to do things or even falling in love. That whole kind of movement feeling is connected to intuitive callings. And then ultimately, like we touched on a little bit earlier, is this transcendent sort of force and drive that intuition calls us to rise up and take to the next level of life and go beyond this world and escape. <laughs> Interesting. So there are different ways in which we can access intuition through our body, mind, heart, or even spirit. Uh, what is a metasensory reality that you write about? And what role yeah. does that play in our life? Yeah. So the metasense is, I, you know, when I wrote my first book, The Psychic Workshop, that came out like 10 years ago, 15 years ago. And I, you know, I, I wanted to help people to understand how intuition spoke through our senses. So I referred to them as meta senses or higher senses, because like metaphysics beyond. So, so it's basically when you have feelings in your body, when there's no rational explanation for it, other than it's your intuition. So for example, if 
something is spooking you or there's something going on that's not right in your life, you're having an intuitive experience, you might get the chills, right? It's not like you're cold, you're not reacting to your outer environment, but your intuition is causing this effect, right? So, or even you'll hear people hear a voice in their head, like, oh my gosh, I just, I swear, I heard this voice say, get off the street right before like car ran me over, you know, or ran by, you know, and it like intuition saved their life, but they swear they'll hear a voice, but there was nobody around. Right. So that's a meta sense, right? So it happens to us, but it's, it's in our senses, it's in our hearing, but it's not from out there. It's from in there. Yeah, that's very fascinating. And Action Tribe, if you are watching this as a video or maybe you're listening to this as a podcast, if you have ever had that inner voice tell you to do something or not do something before you did it, and that turned out to be really useful for you, let us know. Maybe you can comment or maybe just email me and let me know, have you ever had that sense, that that voice within, uh, and you're maybe starting to trust that even more, uh, let us know. Uh, now, Kim, you also talk about something called an intuition diary, right? So how does, why should one maintain one and how do you maintain it? What do you write into it? Yes. Well, there are the most important thing is to have a, a journal or a diary when you're working with your intuition for one reason and one reason alone, validation. Hmm. So you can't learn to trust your intuition. No, you can't follow your intuition until you trust your intuition. Okay. So, so that's the, the most important thing with these journals. And the thing about intuition is you don't always figure it out right away. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it sometimes it takes, you know, hindsight, it takes a month, it takes a year even 10 years sometimes to really understand some of these things that are coming through, you know, we can follow it, but to, but we might think we were totally wrong and then look back on the future and be like, Oh my gosh, like, I can't believe that I knew that, or I can't believe that I wrote that. Um, So having this journal, writing down your intuitive experiences, anytime they come, you know, especially when you start to work with your intuition, you're going to have more of them. And once you focus on them, once you start to do some of the practices in the, that that we do in the book, you're going to get intuitive stuff all the time. So just keeping a journal and writing that stuff down and then going back every couple of weeks or months and rereading it, you will be so shocked at how spot on your intuition was that you didn't even realize it at the time, right? Because you didn't have that information. And sometimes yeah. you don't get it till later. So yeah, so it's so important in really building trust in your mm-hmm. own intuitive process. Yeah, that's really, really useful. And I'm sure people listening or watching right now see benefit in maintaining a diary or a journal for intuition. Because I'll tell you, in my life, I've learned to trust my own intuition even more. And it started a few weeks back, actually, this particular trail that I'm on, where there was this idea that was planted in my mind about interdimensional travel. Mm. And so I posted it on a, on somebody that I know. I, I commented. That person told me about some of the uh, declassified documents of the CIA. So I went down that rabbit hole, learned more about uh, some of the experiments that they've been conducting about remote viewing and astral projection and i read about the monroe institute listened to some of their files and their you know brainwave audio uh, and then i went deeper into that learning about astral projection because it seems like the universe wants me to learn more about astral projection and perhaps have these wonderful out-of-body experiences mm-hmm. and you won't believe it so and last night i had a pretty lucid dream mm-hmm. and in the morning when i woke up there was a comment by somebody who listened to an episode that I did years back. This was episode 83. Right now we're in episode 385. What are the chances that somebody randomly posted a comment on an episode I did about astral projections 
and they wrote down, you guys need to have more downloads. This is awesome. Oh my gosh. That is so, and that's, I talk about that in the book, that kind of synchronicity and that stuff happening. <laughs> that is totally like a God wink, whatever word you want to use. That's like, yes, that's like that punctuation mark from the universe, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's a great story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my question then is, what role does our brain play, our physical brain, what role does it play in us being able to access this intuition or connect with this intuition? So the physical brain, I'm not a scientist, so I'm not even going to pretend to like, that's not yeah. my wheelhouse. Okay? okay. So, but I, but in terms of just understanding things like a, you know, a regular human, you know, yeah. I really feel like, you know, we have two sides of our brain for a reason. You know, we have an intellectual side and we have an intuitive side. You know, we have a creative artistic side. We have a right. linear sort of rational side. And these two sides need to be in balance, right? They need to work together. Right. And, and that's part of the yin and the yang. Right. It's yep. all of that connectedness and that duality and that we experience in this world. So um, the, the problem with our brains is that we have only really focused on developing one side of them. You know, and it's, so we're all go to school. We're taught to be smart. We learn formulas, you know, I, and, and, and then our other side of the brain, the kind of artsy side of the brain, the imaginative side of the brain more often than not, it's kind of like, okay, well, that's nice. You know, you can have a couple music or art classes, or you can, you know, have some extracurricular activities, but you know, it's just sort of bonus, right? right. But no, but now we start to realize, no, it's not bonus. It's essential. Mm -hmm. It's not, it is that it is what makes us extraordinary. So you see these extraordinary people like Einstein and Steve Jobs, who are the yeah. huge advocates for intuition, right? So they have these two sides of their brains both of them working, you know, and that is the secret sauce for genius and extraordinary living. Very, very true. Have you heard of ambidexterity dance? Mm -mm. That's really fascinating. So one of the things I do in my breathwork classes is before we start the breathwork, we do something called ambidexterity dance. And as, as the name suggests, it's sort of the idea behind that is to do certain dance moves where you're touching one part of the body to the other, training your brain to create new neural pathways and connect yeah. one hemisphere with the other Smart. so that you're not just left brain dominant or just not right brain dominant, but you're also having fun in the dance and shaking. Uh, but it's fascinating. You know, the same point of uh, what you're saying is that true genius is unlocked when you're able to integrate both hemispheres of the brain, right? Not just yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a great idea because you know, even like using different practices like malas and there, there's different ways that you can actually, you know, enhance this neuroplasticity between these two sides of your brain. So I, I'd love to learn more about that too and just ways to just open up those connections. So talk to us about malas because I know you write about malas. How, how does that help us, you know, stimulate our brain or access our ambidextrousness or... Tell us more. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, I look at this, the mala, as a piece of technology in a lot of ways. Like, it's very simple. It's one of the oldest pieces of technology that we've had. Um, yeah. And, it, it, you know, I'm sure you know all about it. And, and, and um, you know, it very often it's been a spiritual tool to help us to, you know, reconnect and you can use it in a lot of different ways. And for me, it's very helpful in this sort of reprogramming of our minds when we're in a space where we're overthinking and we need to slow down and make space, or we need to sort of reprogram a sort of uplifting vibration into our consciousness when we've gotten lower, right? So, so these things, using these and, and creating a mantra or creating an affirmation and repeating them 108 times, um, you know, that's supposed to be the magic number, right? You say it over and over again, and then something clicks, and then you create that sort of neuroplasticity or that shift. You can feel that shift, actually, when you're done. You're like, wow, 
I actually feel better, right? Because I've been, I've been programming and injecting this, this positive energy into my being. Absolutely. I mean, it's so fascinating that our ancient elders had these devices. And these days we talk about biohacking mm -hmm. in ancient in India. Yantra literally means device or, or, or machine, right? And really? so, it, yeah, Yantra literally means like, like, a, like a device. And uh, I guess Mala is one of the devices yeah. that helps us, you know, biohack yeah, our neurosystem. Cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's really cool. cool. I didn't that. Yeah. And so you write about, you say, the moments when you feel truly alive are the moments you are living with your whole heart. You are mm -hmm. all in. You're on fire with the passion for something that ignites your spirit. So how does somebody unlock this state or access this state where they are on fire and passionate about something that really ignites their spirit? And what does that do for you? Yeah, so um, passion is so important. And, you know, we, hear, we think of passion so often in terms of, you know, human passion, being in love. Um, but that, that feeling, that, that consummate calling and obsession with something can also be transferred into something um, that's really meant to transform us and mm. to change us and then the world that we touch. So to tap into our callings and to tap into this, this passion within us, you really need to understand our purpose and mm. who we are. So that's why it's so important with, intu with our intuition, because once we get a little bit of who we are and what we can do in this world and what we are sort of made, design, program, whatever word you want to use to mm. go out into this world and do, it, it makes us come alive. You know, whatever way, whether you, you want to teach people or whether you want to, you know, like somehow support people in, in through business or through just children or whatever anything that you're called to that calling is the mm -hmm. universe showing you your unique path and purpose. And um, by opening up the gates of intuition, you can get more of that and more guidance and get on the path of your true self instead of trying to be other people or taking false paths. Yeah. And I think that uh, the phase that we're in right now, this pandemic, for one reason or the other, is encouraging people to maybe think about their calling, right? Maybe yeah. something that they put on the back burner for all these years now maybe is an opportune moment to explore more into it and, you know, listen to their gut intuition. But sometimes when they think about it, they have this fear or fears mm -hmm. that arise, right? So what is your process with dealing with those fears or processing those fears, whatever they might be? Well, first of all, it's a, it's a good thing that when you're in that space, because that means when you, when you have that little moment of fear, when you have that little, that little feeling of getting outside your comfort zone, that's, that means you're growing. That is the call to become something more. And we all have that. And sometimes we resist it because it's safer to stay where we are or because, you know, we're afraid that we'll fail or we're afraid that we're, we'll succeed. You know, there's so much psychology wrapped around that. But ultimately, yeah. that fear is an indicator that, you know, we're going to try something new. Right. Mm -hmm. And when I started doing all the work that I was doing in tech, like, I had no idea what I was doing. I like, yeah, talk about imposter syndrome. You're like, how can I do this? I, I don't have a PhD in like technology. I don't know anything about this. Right. But you got to go with your gut. You got to follow your intuition because it's still a step above all of that. And that is one thing I have learned, you know, working with the people that I have that intuition trumps everything. You know, you mm -hmm. can go to school, you can have 18,000 degrees, but if you don't have intuition, 
something's going to be missing, you know? Mm. And if you do have that intuition and that genius, you know, then that can trump all of those other things. So ideally we want to have both. It's ultimately we want to be really smart and really intuitive, you know, mm. but that calling comes to really take us up into that better place. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> This is funny, but what came to my mind is intuition trumps everything, but so long, but so far it has been for Biden. Mm. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> it was, it was, you know, that just come to your head because that's actually really good. That was that's good, right? That's really good. Like right. you're kind of saying for Biden, like forbidden a little. Like is that what kind of we're thinking? Because because yeah, it exactly, been. it has been like it, has been. it actually works, <laughs> right? Because yeah. I, I always say that that's one of the big like things is like why it's the great mysteries of the of the universe that the, how the world has taught us that intuition doesn't exist. Yeah. to think it's not real and it doesn't yeah. exist, and 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 it's the most important thing. <laughs> yeah, I should maybe try up stand-up comedy sometime. But that was really I don't know if there was a good joke or a bad joke, but it was a joke. Uh, <laughs> moving on, uh, let's talk about the dark night of the soul. Because right now we're, you know, coming back to the present situation, it's not easy for a lot of people because there's a lot of change. And like we discussed earlier, these wonderful businesses that have been there for so many years are forced to be closed and people are losing their jobs and also losing their partners because of one reason or the other. Uh, right. So they're experiencing challenges of all kinds. Um, and this experience leaves a painful memory in a lot of cases. And no matter how much we try to forget, maybe in 2021, 2022, we try to forget, right, what happened in 2020. Uh, it always hurts. So how does one go about processing or even letting go of a painful past? Whew. Well, uh, I feel like there's two questions in there because um, one thing is, you know, dealing with what we're dealing with right now, right now um, yeah. and getting through that. Um, first, I just want to say that, um, you know, this is a really hard time for a lot of people, and I want to acknowledge that. And um, and I think this is something that none of us ever expected in our life to have to deal with something like this, and uh, especially because of the subtleties of it. Because it's like we're all, you know, we're all thinking the world was going to end in you know 1999, and then like 2012. But we, you know, we weren't expecting it to have this kind of world-ending thing, where it's like horrible, but also we're just stuck in our houses washing our food and it you know it's just strange yeah. you know uh so it's this really strange limbo that we're in and and i think that what we need to understand and also in terms of the politics that that's happening right now is you know that that we're going through growing pains and ev everything that's happening right now whether it's through the politics or what the earth is telling us you know this pandemic is a message for us to slow down right the silver lining how many people ha have have we heard saying that wow the silver lining to this is oh i do get more time with my family oh i have some downtime oh i have more time for myself right because i'm not spending three hours commuting to work every day and you know my right. work just got shorter and so so there is a there is a silver lining that you know we're getting this kind of time out from the from the earth mother nature's giving us a time out so maybe you know we can use the opportunity to the best of our ability to try and like you said earlier is maybe use this as a launching pad for something new an opportunity to grow an opportunity to shift gears and and really listen to what life is telling us right now because all of this mm -hmm. is meaningful it's meaningful in our evolution and it's these are the kind of growing pains that it might hurt now but it's happening for a reason and when we look back on 2020 we're going to remember all of these you know horrible things that people have been going through but we're also going to see hopefully that some change came out of it 
some change that has made the world better, especially, you know, hopefully in the social justice department is, is one area that, you know, there, we're really starting to see some change and hopefully we'll see that momentum growing. Mm. Um, so all of it's part of this, what I call an intuition revolution. It's all part of this revolution that's happening right now to, to kind of move us out of unconsciousness, the unconsciousness we've all been living in and wake us up to you right. know, what it's really about. Yeah, that's so true. And I think maybe right now is a good time for people to uh, really take stock of where they are in life and what is their visions or goals or dreams, no matter how difficult it might seem, but also uh, note down and journal what their body is trying to tell them, what the universe is trying to tell them, what people come into their lives and what the universe is trying to tell them through these interactions that they're having, which might not seem logical, but more intuitive. Exactly. Exactly. Got it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, like I said, it's a crazy time. I personally am coming across different, uh, or maybe remembering, because I told you last time I have interviewed people in the past about astral projection, but also maybe, you know, revisiting a particular concept or a practice once again, in my own life, what are your thoughts on astral projection and I lucid dreaming? Ask me that. <laughs> mm. um, I I I just want to say that you know astral projection, or you know whatever term we want to we want to use for experiences of our consciousness outside of the place of our human of our body, right, of mm -hmm. our physical body. Yeah. Um, for me was really intrinsically tied into my awakening process. Um, you know, I have, I've had a couple of experiences like that throughout my life. You know, I was interested in it when I was young and I was like, Oh, it's so fascinating. But like, you know, I'm like I never really understood what it was. And the, the times that I had those, those moments, um, they happened completely unexpectedly to me and, you know, in a sleep, in a sleep state. Um, but, almost a little like lucid, lucid dreaming also very much tied in all of it. All of it is tied in when, when you start to awaken, you're going to have more of those things happen because um, I think from my experience, it's because you're raising that vibration, you're raising your awareness and um, that is allowing this expansion of consciousness that goes out into places beyond just here in this little space. Right. And I know 100% it's real because I've experienced it, but the really interesting thing to me, and I'd be curious to talk to you and see what your experiences are. But the, the thing for me that I noticed is when they happened, it always happened to me on t days when I was having a really good day or I had, mm. I was so I went to bed like feeling either really happy or just had a great day. I was just in a great energy space. Yeah. And so, so, and I didn't realize it at first until I noticed the pattern. I was like, wow, I'm like, this happens when I'm feeling really good because yeah. it's about this vibrational thing. Right. Right. It won the one time, the most important time it happened to me. Um, I remember laying there literally having to hold myself in. I would literally yeah. just, I was just like, I just wanted to, I was just going free. Like I was just going free. And I was like, no, I just have to stay here. Just got to stay. Yeah. Just stay. So, yeah. but it was tied in to that, that joy and that bliss of, of really of really experiencing another level of reality. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, you know, based on what I've come across, uh, astral projections and out-of-body experiences happen when we're in a heightened state of emotion. And that could be positive. Mm -hmm. That could be negative also, like sorrow or trauma mm -hmm. or 
fear, where we're so scared of our own physical body that we want to leave the body. Mm-hmm. And so it that could be astral projections. That could be like in my case when I had a road accident, when I was literally, you know, jolted away from my physical body. I did not have a specific astral projection, but I do recall objectively being detached mm-hmm. from my body. Perceiving the world from like a different perspective. From a different vantage point. Like, exactly. Yeah, a different vantage yeah. That's how it was with me. I was like, the first time it happened, I was I was looking, I just remember I was looking at a Monet poster. It's funny because I'm an artist. Strangely, I was I was in Toronto actually at a friend's house right. in Canada. And I was looking at a Monet poster on my f- friend's sister's wall. And I, I thought, wow, this is so beautiful. And then I had this thought, I'm like, her poster was in the ceiling. <laughs> like I couldn't have reached it if I was standing up. And yeah. and that's when I realized, oh my gosh, what's go- something's going on here. You know what I mean? So so okay. it's, that, it's that feeling like, yeah, I, I was here and I couldn't have seen this from this perspective in any other way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's so interesting that I mean, I think astral projection holds is very um very promising for people who have lost loved ones to realize that we're not just physical yes. we're not just these physical bodies that we are you know eternal and we're beings of light and just because a person you know dies physically it does not mean that they have died eternally so that's one but also for somebody who is on their spiritual journey and wanting to let go of this need to associate with just this physical self, although the physical self is important, nutrition is important, exercise is important, but not attaching too much to this physical body. That that helps as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really think what you, you really hit the nail on the head. I mean, especially for me and my experience was, you know, I suddenly realized it was a huge validation for me, right? Yeah, it was a validation exactly. that, yeah, okay, there's more to life. I'm not, I am not just this body. I'm something mm. else right? I'm something else. So it was this huge validation. And yeah, like, and this meaningful nature of life, that life goes on beyond the body and that there's a whole other kind of thing out there. And then once this happened to me, like, that was the first time it was kind of, you know, whatever. But after the second time, then I started to be able actually to see things, even when I was awake in my body that were, was, were there around that I couldn't have seen before. So that was super trippy. <laughs> that was when I started to think I was going crazy but I it out eventually, but it was a little scary at first, but you can yeah. you change your level of perception, you know, and, and having those kind of experiences and, you know, when it happens in a, in a lower state, when it happens out of a state of fear and in a state of, you know, of negative feelings, it can also create this awakening. Like Eckhart Tolle talked a lot about, you know, his yeah. awakening came from like so much suffering and he wanted to die and he just went to this extreme and yeah. it, it broke through. So it can happen either way. It's very, very true. And my question is, what are your thoughts on different dimensions? Because there are so many perspectives to this, right? Some people say that there is no past, there's no future, but the past and future are happening right now. Some people say that we have par- parallel realities, you know, like an like an Aditya who became a paleontologist based on certain decisions that I've taken. And that sort of creates an inflection point and two potentialities, one happening in a different reality, the other happening right now. What are your thoughts on different realities? Yeah, I think about this sometimes. And, you know, I, I, I go back and forth. I mean, I've, I'm intrigued. I'm just gonna say I'm, I'm very, I'm intrigued by this, the, the multiverse. I'm intrigued by mm-hmm. the potentiality. And I wonder, you know, if there isn't just sort of, 
you know, all of this different potential and all these different outcomes. And we're just kind of, you know, with our free will, choosing which life that we're going to create from our own journey and our own experience. And, you know, maybe there's been a, an infinite number of other Kim Chesneys out there, you know, <laughs> well, this one, and this is the one I'm making. And, you know, we all are creating our own unique lives. And, um, but it really does, you know, it, it really does make you want to think. And, and, you know, I talked with um, Jesse Shell and, and, the summit that I was talking about earlier that we have the intuition revolution summit that you can, you can sign up for now on my website. And he is, he was on with Morgan Freeman and through the wormhole because he's a game designer and okay. you know, he, the whole episode was on whether reality was a simulation. Right. And to me, this was really, this really is where I think something that resonates is that we're realizing that in a lot of the ways that reality is like a simulation. And there was some article that came out like a couple of weeks ago. It's like 50% of scientists now agree that like reality is a simulation or something. So I was like, what? You know, mm -hmm. so, so it's really interesting that this idea is becoming more and more mainstream that, you know, yeah. and, and if it's a simulation, you know, how do multiverses play into that? Right. So yeah. it's kind of like, Phew. yeah, yeah. That's, that's totally totally factual i mean I, I totally resonate with what you're saying uh and if somebody you know it speaks to people who listen to this podcast as well right it's only that they understand these concepts that they even listen to it even more otherwise they'll just tune off and listen to some other podcast <laughs> and it's true you know a lot of people are realizing that maybe this is a simulation and if you even if you look at our cells at an atomic level, we're 99.99% space, right? Mm -hmm. And the example that I like to draw is if you look at, if you go to Las Vegas, and there are so many big fountains, right? And if you look at the fountain for like one kilometer away, it almost seems as if it's still. Mm. It's just this mm -hmm. shape. Mm -hmm. But if you actually go closer, you'll realize that it's not still. It's water that's, you know, going up and down, and there are different particles of water droplets that are actually making this journey um, up and down, right? So it's just this perspective shift that you it have. Is. It's all relative, right? It's all yeah, I remember when I was in my first like physics class in college, and they're just like, all of your cells are really empty space, you know? Yeah. And you're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> How is that possible? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so so intriguing. I mean, so you write about these three concepts, serendipity, synchronicity, and coincidences, right, in your book. So what are the differences among them? And, and maybe if you can talk a bit about that. Well, they're all like a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Um, so, you know, I think all of them are different. They're all together are different sort of manifestations of our relationship with our intuition and our intuition manifesting in the world. So for instance, one of the things you hear people talk a lot about are like angel numbers or, you know, people will look at the clock and it'll be like 11, 11 every day, right? They see it. Well, why do you think you're looking at the clock at 11, 11 every day? Mm. Because you, your intuition drew your attention to it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so, so intuition is all about attention and that's a validation. And it does that to show you that there's, that there's a validation there that, Hey, intuition, I'm here. I exist. Don't forget about me. And yeah, the world is meaningful. Yes. There's more to life than we realize, right? All of those little endorsements that our intuition gives us. So, so intuition is all about attention and it'll use our attention to draw 
us to these experiences that give us these little validations and messages, right? So you you might just be like looking for a sign, right? And then you'll see like something written on a bumper sticker that was like, right, what you were thinking, right? So yep. your, your intuition draws you to that. <clears throat> so you have that experience. So that's mm. one way. This other way is kind of like what you talked about earlier. And I've been experiencing it a lot. Actually, this past couple of weeks, twice, it was really crazy, is when those unexplained coincidences happen. Like you'll be thinking of something and then it shows somebody comments on that that thing of your astral projection on yeah. your, your podcast, right? So, you know, we ha- that's sort of in this synchronicity and this law of attraction plays a little bit of a role in there. But what what on a bigger level, what's happening is our interconnectedness, right? And then how we're all connected. And then some level that person had a connectedness to your thoughts and your intentions because he was plugged into your, he or she, sorry, was plugged in to your energy through your work, right? Mm-hmm. So for example, I've had this happen twice in this month. Um, the first time I, w- I just was thinking about an old friend um, and I used to manage a record store um, before I worked at the health food store. I forgot about that. And I and then Brian and I didn't even know him that well. He was just a, an acquaintance, and I thought, I wonder what happened to old Brian. You know, like yeah. didn't he send me a fr- Facebook friend request the next morning? Right. I, I was I was dying. I was just like, I hadn't thought about you in thirty years, and you and I actually even had the thought the day before. I thought I should look for him on Facebook, and then it was crazy. And he sent me, mm-hmm. a you know, and, mm-hmm. and it happened to me on another friend that I hadn't talked to in about a year. I thought I should call them up and. They sent me an email the next day saying, let's have lunch. So those things, right? Mm-hmm. Those things, those are ways that we're connected intuitively, right? Those sort of telepathic strings that unite us, even if we don't necessarily have close personal connections with people. There, there has to be some sort of energetic connection, but it can work. It's not just with the people we love. It's not just with our partners or in our kids and our families. It's with anybody that we're energetically connected to. Yeah, that is really, really awesome that you say that because, I mean, the metaphor that I like to draw is when I was a kid and the way children play in playgrounds is, you know, people decide, do you want to play? And so people get together. Okay, you want to play a game? Let's decide. And then we select teams, right? And it feels as if the universe wants to express itself, but, you know, the universe wants to get to know itself. And in doing so, it's recruiting people for this game that we are playing. Mm. And depending on who wants to play this game, people express their intention. So there's a calling, there's a there's a seeking that happens. And then there's a confirming that also happens, right? So and I, and you write about this in your book also. There's a seeking where you send out intentions. And only those people who have sent the intention, like your friend, maybe Brian, wanted to partake in this game that you were wanting yeah. to play. And through some synchronicity, some connection, he tapped into. Exactly. This, this information. So <laughs> exactly, and it wasn't even anything that was profoundly spiritual. Like I, I no. didn't need to reconnect with him, like for anything. We just said hi. Wow, that was really crazy. And now yeah. we're friends on Facebook. That's it, right? It was. It was that. It was actually the act of having mm-hmm. that synchronicity happen that was important, right? And it's yeah. that little reminder for each of us that wow, you know, life is more meaningful than we remember. Right. Just a reminder that everybody is connected and, and that thoughts matter. Right. <clears throat> That's the yeah. other thing. I'm thinking about this and he wants to play the game because he's connecting his thought. Well, 
how do all of our other thoughts affect people, right? How do oh, yeah. our negative thoughts affect people? And like, how are other people's negative thoughts affecting us? So when you start really getting into the, you know, the harmonics and how all these different energy frequencies really interact with us, then there's a lot to unpack there. Oh, absolutely. I was just listening to a podcast where there was somebody who is an expert at sound healing was talking about how our thoughts create a certain vibration. And although it's not audible to the human ear, it's still a vibration. It's still a sound. And it's as if our cells are singing a song. Because wow, if you cool. amplify that vibration, you can actually hear a tune. Wow. And so I'm fascinated to see what, what song my cells are singing yeah. or if they're even singing a song. So let's say if I'm ill or if I have a disease, then it goes out of tune, right? And that's where I guess all this entrainment comes into play where you're able to remind yourselves of singing the right note instead of singing the wrong note. I love that. And I think that also plays into like those first impressions. And when you vibe with people or don't find like your songs don't go together, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like your songs not jiving with my song. And yeah, I love that. Yeah. So, you know, speaking about song, um, you write in your book or you sort of allude to the fact that we, all of us are here to sing a particular song. Right. Mm -hmm. um, or in other words, have this intuitive calling and you write that an intuitive calling is something that you have to listen to. Life itself is a faithful listening to intuition, to the something else that calls us forward. Sometimes this can be challenging because we don't always know what we have been called to. There's a lot of mystery at play. There's a lot of uncertainty. It's risky as a lot of people might agree, but we have to be faithful even when we don't know the outcomes. So why is it important, firstly, to follow your intuitive calling? Because your intuition knows everything. So that's the thing that when I came to that understanding, like even when I was a kid and I would play with like tarot cards and stuff and be like, how do these work? You know, I was mm. trying to wrap my brain around it. Like, you know, because everybody was telling me it was like the devil, you know, mm. I was like, is the devil here? Is this is what the devil doing these cards with me? Because it doesn't feel like the devil's here. You know, it seems like kind of lame. if This is what the devil's doing, you know, but, but I had to figure out how it worked. And, you know, I remember when it finally occurred to me, when I really kind of had this epiphany as to what intuition actually was and how like right. all along, it was that all knowing part of myself. So in, intuition has access to to all the data in the universe. Every single little piece bit of everything that's ever happened is happening and will happen. Your intuition can connect with that. Um, so uh, understanding that it naturally has a higher perspective and a higher vision than us in our little places, in our small little world that can just see with our you know five senses and like our rational minds, which one can see further? It's like, you know, you're going down, you know, a river or say you're using your GPS, right? You're driving down the street and you're trying to decide how to get somewhere. Well, your GPS can see what's ahead. It can see the whole map out ahead of you, but you yeah. can just see the road, right? So it's like, you know, they always call it intuition, your inner GPS, because it's, it's a good metaphor, right? But it's kind of like that. Your intuition can see so far out ahead. We want to rely on the on what has the greatest expansive vision. Yeah, I really like the fact that you said that your intuition has the whole perspective. A lot of factors or data points, data sets that we might not even be considering, it has that information. And if it's telling you that this is what your calling is, then maybe you need to listen to it. So sometimes, though, our intuition might get polluted, right? Yes. Or might get muddled or fuzzy. So what are some factors that sort of affect our intuitive clarity? 
So people always ask me like, well, what happens if my intuition's wrong? And I said, well, your intuition's never wrong. We're wrong. <laughs> we, get, we get confused. We didn't get the message right. Something was lost in translation. But intuition is truth. So intuition will never be wrong. So our, so our job is to get it right and to understand what it's actually saying. So there's a lot of things that can kind of um, muddy that signal. Right. Uh, one of those things is, uh, is extreme emotions, right? So if we're really fearful or we're really, we have like a, a desire for something, we really want something, you know, anything really ego-based, right? So anything that's for us that we think with our rational minds is for us is going to stand in the way of intuitive truth. Because when we surrender to our intuition, we become faithful to that intuitive calling, that means trusting in something else other than ourselves, right? So it's, it's, it's putting that ego aside. It's trusting in something beyond ourselves. So the ego doesn't like that. The ego is not going to be cool with that. It's going to try and talk you out of it. Your mind's going to be like, no, that's crazy. You're definitely going to fail. Don't do that. You know? So it's all of this process of developing this trust and getting into, like you said earlier, that space of stillness, that still calm, quiet voice, because that's when you know it's your intuition. Even if your intuition is telling you to do the most insane thing that is so emotional, like, you know, either stories of a mother that's had to like, like go and rescue a kid that that fell out back and she had no way of knowing. But even if she she's dealing in such an emotional situation, if you talk with her, she'll tell you there was just a knowing inside. There was just like a calm, I'm gonna go do this, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to do this. There's an emotion, I'm being moved, but I'm not like freaking out and having a mental breakdown about it. I'm going and I'm doing it, right? So when we're moved with our intuition, it's it's an abiding sense. It's an abiding feeling. It's abiding knowing that calls us or gives us information, right? So one of the, one of the things about intuition is it doesn't change. It holds, it's there. It's still, it's not like if, if you have an intuition and you have think something else 10 seconds later, well, it probably wasn't your intuition because intuition is stillness and it remains. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you have to have it in a calm state of mind because all of those emotions are kryptonite for intuition and really will, will interfere with that, that signal coming through. Yeah, that's really good advice because sometimes I feel people's emotions get in the way of them actually making a good decision or actually even having a intuitive based dialogue or discussion yeah. yeah with with people sometimes it can get pretty heaty right and prevent all parties from coming to a higher understanding of the topic at hand yeah if everybody was working on their intuitive level then you, you can make some really cool intuitive breakthroughs you know but if we if we're not in that state if we're in we're mm. conversing from that place of fear or the place of judgment or the place of mind really because intuition is comes from that place of no mind of beyond mind um mm. when, we're, when we're in that state of mind then then it's us and them right yeah. it's the unity that really is embodied by intuition Interesting. And you spoke about uh, uh, the concept of surrender, which is my favorite topics. But what does surrendering uh, do for you? But also, what does it do for somebody who is trying to access their intuition? Yeah, so really, you know, surrendering is for me and my own journey was so crucial. Because, um, you know, as someone who just wants to wanted to have control and they're like, I'm a Scorpio. I like environments of control, you know? Um, so it was really important when I made that shift to realizing that I don't know everything. I, 
there's a part of me that's that's above right here that knows better of what I'm meant for, that knows better of what I'm capable of. And I'm going to trust in that. I'm going to trust in that higher part. I'm going to trust that I'm okay. And I'm going to trust that the universe is working for my benefit. And that's huge. That trust that the universe is working for your benefit is huge. And because, you know, half the time we're not sure because, I mean, life is kind of rough sometimes, right? So it doesn't feel like the universe is always working for our benefit. But knowing that even though we're failing forward or we're experiencing that tough love from the universe like we're doing right now in the world, that it's ultimately for our benefit, even if we can't see what it is right now. So surrendering to that, surrendering to that that to life and saying, you know, I trust life, I'm going to not resist life, right? You know, you know, Eckhart Tolle talks a lot about, you know, resist nothing, resistance is the source of our suffering. But really surrendering to the flow of life and acceptance is, is such a powerful shift. Yeah, surrendering does a lot for me as well, because surrendering in a way, mm, allows you to let go of your own uh, ego, or your logical thinking and allows the universe to conspire on your behalf, bringing together people and opportunities and things and experiences your way for the greater good. And sometimes you might feel that's not the greater good for me. But then if you have faith and patience, you realize what that actually was good for you, even better for you than the thing that you had in mind initially. Exactly. exactly. Interesting. So, uh, Sometimes when somebody has this intuitive calling, right, and they feel this jolt of excitement and maybe they surrender, but they still have this limiting belief within themselves. You know, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not beautiful enough. Mm-hmm. We're views, right? And we've developed over the years. It seemed to be holding us back. Any, any advice for somebody, especially a visionary, right? And a lot of our listeners are visionaries, mm-hmm. want to create something new in their life. And they've got responsibilities as well, right? Maybe if they're a mom or a dad, maybe mm-hmm. if they're a son or a daughter, they've got responsibilities to act like a a, a good person, right. or a responsible person. Right. So how, how, how do we think through this? So you got your limiting beliefs, you got your responsibilities, but at the same time, you've got this yearning, this calling that you know is for you. And if you don't do it, you lose out on this magical moment that has been waiting for you to take some inspired action? Uh, well, that's a great question. And I can say that I was in that position and for a lot of my life, so I can relate to it. And I can, um, I can share from my experience, my advice, first of all, would be to, um, to try to embrace a sense of, first of all, acceptance of where you are, Mm-hmm. Um, because, because it can be very frustrating if you have a calling and a dream and you don't feel like that you're in the position to be making that happen at that moment, right? So, so that can be frustrating, but understanding that, you know, it's very possible that where you are, you're learning crucial things that you're going to be using someday for that dream. So we have to, uh, to begin with, get out of this idea of instant gratification. Um, we have callings, but we don't always, they doesn't mean we always have to run right out and do them right the second. It might be that calling's not going to come into fruition for a few years or for the next phase of our life. And what we're doing right now is establishing a foundations for us to go out and make that happen. So I would say, you know, follow the cues from life in the universe and, and keep stepping forward from where you are. You know, if a door opens for you and it's the time to take it, don't be afraid to take it. If a door yeah. opens, 
it's a sign something's come for you, right? So, so open your mind and your heart to new opportunities to grow. But at the same time, if those opportunities don't grow and life's taking you over here, well, there's probably a reason why life's taking you over there, right? There's probably a lesson to be learned over there. And you've got to learn that lesson before you get back over here. Right. And in my mm. own journey, you know, there were things I had to learn before I could do this work and this calling that I knew for my whole life that I had to do. This book has been inside me for 10 years. Right. So, so sometimes it might take 10 years to get to that moment, but then you'll look back and you'll be like, every step of that way, I learned something that I needed right now. I didn't know mm. it at the time. And I wasted energy being grumpy about it or feeling resistant about it. It's just a waste of your energy. Just go with life and, and follow the opportunities and the open doors and keep your mind open for what's next. It'll come. It'll come right. Yeah, that's very profound because a lot of people look at uh, successful people and they say overnight success, but they don't realize that that person has been putting out YouTube videos or writing blogs mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, experiencing small failure to small failure. Yeah. Failing forward. Failing forward and being in a state of receptance and then finally that opportunity arrives. So you know, speaking about that same door, right? You said that the, sometimes life presents as a door and we have the mm -hmm. option to either open it or not, or, you know, wait, what do you say to that person who has followed their calling, but is having a hard time seeing success in their field? Yeah. Like, oh. you know, they took a hard decision to follow the uncharted path. They felt it might work at that point, but now they begin to have doubts. Maybe I should have, uh, you know, done what my colleagues X or Y or my peers were doing and maybe I would have been happy. I love that question because, yeah, just because we were following a calling doesn't mean it's always going to turn out the way we expect it to. And right. We right. have to remember that. Like just because I, we have a calling to do this thing doesn't yeah. mean oh, I have a calling to um, start this business because I'm going to be a multimillionaire. Right. You mm -hmm. might have a calling to start a business because that business is going to lead you to make a, a connection with a certain person or because that business is going to teach you something about yourself, or maybe it's even a new opportunity to fail forward to the following business after that. Right? So we don't know, right? And it gets back to that same old thing with that GPS. We can only see what's right in front of us. So we have yeah. limited vision, but our yeah. intuition doesn't, it has those high beams and it can see so far ahead. So, you know, trusting in those high beams of our intuition and really just knowing that, you know, as long as we're following, our job is just to follow our intuition. That's all. We don't mm. have to know where it's going to end up. And sometimes, you know, it's not going to meet our expectations and that gets, we have to, we have to just have our self talk and get back to our, that place of, I got to practice what I preach. And I know that I'm just following my intuition and, that I did my job. And so I was hoping for this, but right. These are my own personal hopes and ego things that are coming now. Right. So we still have to, we have to check ourselves because we probably had a lot of hopes and stuff wrapped around those dreams, mm -hmm. but our intuition is taking us somewhere for a reason. So we just have to trust in the process. Right. Yeah. That's so useful actually for somebody listening to this uh, show right now, uh, who's wanting to have this beautiful vision or this, dream that they want to unleash. And my point of view is, you know, um, just as you're saying, we don't have control over the timeline a lot of the times because it's not just about achieving the goal, but it's about becoming that person who gets the goal, right? It's yeah. about personal transformation firstly. And, and maybe it's not about achieving that goal. Not all goals are worth your while for achieving. Mm -hmm. You might not have wanted anyway, right? Like sometimes you might not have wanted anyway. Want yeah. And then you get there, you're like, whoa, this isn't what I really wanted, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. And and what I'm saying is uh, fall in love with the pursuit. Right? Exactly. Fall in love with the happiness that you get from pursuing the goals. Because a lot of people who I've spoken to who have achieved the goals, they don't really feel that sense of accomplishment as okay. much as day in and day out, you know, yearning, when am I going to get that goal? And sometimes when you fall in love with the pursuit, like right now, I used to have this goal of when will I get to that, you know, number of downloads in my podcast? When will I have this beautiful large studio like Joe Rogan and have like an assistant who's going on to Google and doing all the research? But then I realized maybe it's not about that. Maybe it's about having a great time with Kim right now. Right. This very moment, right. talking about consciousness and intuition, and that then it's also you're perfect. learning from the whole th- process, right? Like the things that exactly. you take away from such a, a wonderful exchange of ideas, and and I love that. That's exactly it, right? We have to like live in the moment, and it's, it reminds me what came into my head when we were talking about this because you know being an oil painter, and yeah. uh, I was you know working with my first painting class in college, and. Yeah. It was it was an abstract painting class and we just had to make marks on, mm. you know, I was like, well, this is like, no, you're, you're enjoying the process. You're living and creating the process. You're experiencing the process. It doesn't matter about the outcome. It doesn't matter about what you're doing. It was, it, so it was really this metaphor for life. You know, mm. do we want to go through all of this just for this outcome or are we going to just experience it and live in the moment as, as, a, as a meditation or a spiritual practice of itself, you know? Yeah, what comes to my mind is a Morgan Freeman quote. I think you you mentioned Morgan Freeman a while back. I think he said something along along the lines of a painter paints, an actor acts, you know, a dancer dances. That's it. That's it. You're right. What you're we do it and do it because you love it. And and if you don't love it, then you know maybe step back and and wonder if that's you know the right thing to be doing. Interesting. So. For somebody who's listening to the show right now or podcast right now, what are some ways in which one can hone and now strengthen and fine tune their intuition? What advice do you have for them? Well, I always tell people the first thing I say, and I'm not, if you go to my website, I have a little book called The Wake Up Your Intuition Guide. It's a 12-page guide. It's free. You can just download it and it goes into what I'm going to say in like a much deeper detail and gives you like exercises and stuff. Um, but the first thing that, that I tell everybody is if you want to develop your intuition, the first thing to do is to slow down mm. and create more space in your life um, because your intuition is there. Your intuition wants you to listen to it. But chances are, if you're like everybody else in the world, like us, you're really busy. You've got a million things on your calendar. And anytime you have like a minute of downtime, you're probably looking at your phone, right? So, so take, take your phone away, carve out some white space, go for a walk, go for a, a, a run, go, you know, take a bath, meditate, whatever it is that you love to do that just creates space in your life for your intuition to come in, right? Because how many times have you had those like epiphanies when you're in the shower or driving in the car, those times when your mind is uninterrupted, right? Mm. So, so we have to get those, 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 those sort of, sort of hamster wheel thoughts out of the way. So our intuition can come in and, and speak to us in that stillness, you know? So Mm. getting in that stillness and presence is really the foundation of building this culture of insightfulness and, and intuition that can guide us 24 seven. That's, that's very, I love that advice because uh, intuition stems from the feminine, right? So Mm -hmm. you, you won't, 
go forward and try to reach for the intuition yes. you'll go backwards and make space that makes yeah. complete you just receive it that's what's so great about intuition right and the mind you know we've been busy on using this side of our brain the mind is think 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 it's active yeah. do figure it out right it's very active mm -hmm. whereas with intuition all you have to do is open up to it and it just comes to you it's like magic you don't have to work for it you don't have to go out there and figure it out you just have to receive it and that's the trick we have to create the space we have to create the openness to receive it and then you know after that we have to trust it enough to follow it right so it's sort of a two-part process wonderful that's amazing let's talk about the future now i mean we're rapidly moving towards the future there's so many changes happening each and every day in terms of technology but also society and the world as we know it and there are talks about singularity right i'm sure you know about singularity oh yes where there's a point after which uh, you know humans and artificial intelligence will merge but there are talks about this neural network that will be plugged wirelessly to all human beings and all of it will be connected to a central hub which in theory would be like a super brain right uh, that is all knowing all intuitive that can predict what's going to happen in the future and has all the data the, the big data to know exactly what happened in the past so what are your thoughts on this and can artificial intelligence ever experience or even develop human intuition ha that's a great that's a great question in fact i did a whole talk with jesse shell from the morgan okay. Freeman show on that exact question and so so i would encourage you to watch that talk because he he answered that question better than me and he's super smart he's a current is that on youtube it's go, it, in my summit that starts like the next couple of days and i'll be on okay. there I'll be there forever everybody can you can go to my website and log into it and get it and there's a talk but you have to be part of the summit to get it it's free so you can do it um and jesse talks we talked for an hour about this and it was it's one of the most amazing conversations i've had because jesse is so smart and in a way that i just don't understand machines or technology and uh, he worked for walt disney he i mean he's done um, amazing things with technology over the years and um so his his answer was surprising because I asked him that, that was the question. I said, Jesse, I said, well, it, will machines ever be able to have intuition? Because in my mind, I'm like, you know, intuition is what differentiates us from the machines, you know, it's what's yeah. apart, right? And he, his answer to me was, all machines have is intuition. Mm. Okay. Oh. So, so unexpected. Yeah, <laughs> that. I was like, really? Okay. Um, and so, so, you know, and I, I'm not even going to try and under, explain it. So I just, I would just say anybody who's interested, please go, you can watch that talk because it's really insightful on Jesse. But the long and short of that is that, um, you know, intuition is, is definitely something from my perspective. I think that's something that's going to keep us ahead of the machines because the kind of intuition that, that, that machines have now are sort of like unconscious intuition. Like it's very simple. It's very, yeah. just, it says, I do go this one way. I feel this one way. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so it makes decisions by the way it feels in a way the machines do when they're, the way they're programmed. So, um, but we're capable of a much, much vaster kind of intuition. And so that I do stand by my theory that, you know, it is going to be the thing that sets us apart from the machines in the future, because it's the, it's the place where we're ahead. It's what we can do better. You know, they can they process information better, but we can still do intuition better. And intuitions, like, like I said earlier, it's, you know, it trumps everything. So, um, yeah. 
So in terms of all this other stuff with technology, you know, I don't really know. I mean, there, you, we, can, we can imagine the possibilities with these kinds of things in the future, um, you know, and I mean, it's, it's hard to really say which way it's going to go and how yeah. it's all going to end up. But ultimately, I mean, our intuition is that connection to our humanity and to that mm. divine part of us. Right. And, you know, I always say intuition is that you should always develop your intuition because it's like one of the only things that you can take with you when you leave this world because Very you true. have it, you know, it's the way yeah. that you, you, your consciousness operates, you know, whether you're, when you're not in this body anymore. And, and so, um, yeah, I don't know if we're going to be downloading into pods and putting us into robots. I, I don't yeah. know. Maybe it could happen you know, but yeah. I don't know. Sometimes I wish it would like, I have a lot of pains. <laughs> <laughs> I could use yeah. body, you know, I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> well, we are becoming more and more bionic. I'm wearing earphones all the time. I've got this device that sends low frequency vibrations to switch off my negative stress response. Uh, my company is called human revolution media mm. and human revolution to me is we're going to get there pretty soon where the artificial intelligence is going to be so smart that it's going to take over or try to take over our role as human beings. Mm -hmm. And at that point, we'll have to really question who we truly are existentially, collectively, and find out what humanity really is and tap into these superhuman abilities, like you're saying, intuition and mm -hmm. these siddhis that yoga mm -hmm. talks about, superhuman yeah. abilities, levitation, telepathy, yep. and then... Maybe there's going to be a war, artificial intelligence versus. It'd be a great story. It'd be a great novel. Yeah, like that. Terminator, right? And maybe that's 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 what it's going to take for us to be united and not fight like cats and dogs with each other. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love the way you're thinking. I mean, it's just who knows? We're, we're, look, we're going to look back in 200, 300 years, and it's the world's going to be totally different. Perfect. Thanks so much, uh, Kim, for sharing all that you have so far. I mean, uh, it's really interesting that we're having this conversation right now. Uh, like I said, I'm having premonitions in my dreams. The other day, the other night, actually, I had a dream where I was in a room and multiple people were seated. And there was this lady that walked by me who seemed human. But when she looked at my eyes, there was a glint in her eyes. And it's, it, it seems kind of surreal and scary because she was actually a robot. What? In your dream? In my dream, yeah. It was wow. like so real. So there was a group of people sitting. I think they were getting trained about something. And this lady who was sort of moderating that meeting passed by me and she looked at me and her eyes, there was a glint in her eyes. It was like... Okay, so here's another idea I want to throw out at you to get those wheels turning. Yeah. So you think, you know, we talk about past lives a lot. Well, what about future lives? What about yeah. remembering the future? What about intuitively experiencing the future, right? So... When you think about robots, I, something to, you know, kind of like put in there when you're having those experiences and, 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 you know, what if that was a vision of the future? What if that was a connection to the future, just in the same way we connect with the past with a lot of our things? So. Action Tribe, are you finding it hard to de-stress and unwind in the midst of this crazy pandemic? Come join us for a soothing, relaxing breathwork session online on Zoom. Now, I do these sessions for our paid members twice a week, and I've received so many powerful testimonials from people who have received a lot of support, comfort, and healing from these sessions. And to show you just how powerful these yogic breathwork practices are, every month I do a breathwork intro workshop for people who'd like to give this a shot. 
In the past, people have paid anywhere between $10 to $20 for a drop-in. But for a short while, I've decided to make these sessions available for just 50 cents a ticket. And these sessions are live, but you just pay 50 cents. So if you'd like to learn how to calm your mind, relax your nervous system, and experience deep states of bliss using your breath from the comfort of your home, visit my7chakras.com forward slash breath work intro. That's my seven is a word, my7chakras.com forward slash breath work intro. I'll see you soon. I'm just waiting for Arnold Schwarzenegger to say, get in the chapa. <laughs> so Action Tribe, I hope you enjoyed today's session. Sometime in life, we have this sense of um, feeling blocked, right? And unable to move forward. And while that might, there might be many reasons for you feeling stuck, uh, sometimes it's just our analytical, logical mind that, make, that can make things hard for us. The logical mind is all about connecting the dots and making projections based on past successes or failures in such a situation, what we really need to do maybe is to dive deep into our intuition and open up to a new sense of possibility for you and for the rest of humanity. Because as Carl Jung once put, intuition is perception via the unconscious that brings forth ideas and images and new possibilities and ways out of blocked situations. And with that being said, it is now time for the wisdom round. Four questions so that our listeners can take note and take action. So Kim, what is the best piece of advice that you have ever received? So uh, hearkening back to my oil painting days, my painting teacher uh, drilled uh, uh, this phrase in our heads when we were making our artwork and it totally applies to life. And I've been saying it ever since. It says, better to risk destruction than live with a compromise. Wonderful. And so think about that, you know, every day when you're taking those chances or getting outside your comfort zone, because when you're painting a picture, um, you can, you can just kind of give up and be like, oh, I'm just going to compromise. It's, you know, there's that mistake there that's, you know, just looking at it and it's something's not right, but you're like, yeah, I don't want, I might mess it up worse if I try to fix it. So I'm just going to leave it, but you're going to look at that painting for the rest of your life and you're going to see that mistake. So you go in there and it's better to go in and mess it up to fix a mistake than live with that mistake forever. And if you could turn back time and spend one hour with someone who's living or dead, who would it be? Oh my gosh, Paramahansa Yogananda, for sure. Got it. And what is the one thing you do in the morning or maybe in the evening that has improved the quality of your life? Listening to my intuition. That's the best time, right? When you wake up in the morning before you go to bed, those little insights just pop right in. That's amazing. And there are three or four listeners that have been listening to our entire conversation to whoever you are. Firstly, put in a comment and let me know who you are. But thanks a lot for listening to the entire conversation. I really appreciate it. Maybe one is my mom and the other is my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Maybe my mom too. It's maybe it's our moms. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If you could recommend one book for our listeners, what would it be? Uh, You know, really, I think one of the most influential books for me and really actually for anybody who wants to work with intuition, I would recommend The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Um, that book, that mindfulness, that place, understanding that work is a foundation for intuition work. When you've gotten that, when you've wrapped your brains around that and you've made your peace with that, then you're ready to move into insightfulness past the space of mindfulness. Action Drive, would you like to receive this book for free? 
That's right, because Audible.com, which makes audiobooks, is offering all our listeners, that is you, one free audiobook with a free 30-day trial so that you can get to check out these amazing books. And the beauty is, just like podcasts, you can actually listen to a book. And in most cases, the author themselves are reading out the book to you. And in this case, you're not paying anything. It's a free book. So make sure that you claim your free credit, The Power of Now, Get it online, and there are they've got numerous other books as well. But the power of now by Eckhart Tolle. Go to my seven chakras.com forward slash free book. My seven is a word, my seven chakras.com forward slash free book, and start listening. Awesome. So, Kim, thank you so much for coming on our show, Hello. talking to us about all these amazing topics and sharing your stories. Before you go, what is that one thing that you're grateful for, and how can we find you online? Well, right now, honestly, I'm just grateful to be healthy and to have a place to live and do this kind of work and reach people because it's a, you know, it's a, it's a crazy time. So I'm thankful for every little bit of peace that we have in this world right now. And how can we, how can we find you? Oh, you can check me out at my website, www.kimchesney.com, and also at my online intuition school, intuition-lab.com, where you do online trainings and classes. Perfect. We'll have both these links up in the show notes. And you said you're active on Instagram as well, right? Yeah, and Facebook, all social media. So what is your Instagram handle? Kim.chesney. Or radical intuition. Yeah. Perfect. So there you go, Action Tribe. If you are listening right now or maybe watching this right now, do one thing. Take a screenshot of this episode, whatever platform you're on, and then tag me and tag tag Kim on Instagram so that we can share your conversation, your Insta story with our community. My handle is at my7chakras, at my7chakras. Tag us both. And then we'll share it with our community. And as next steps, finally, if you'd like to attend a foundational live breathwork session with me for 50 cents, just like the rapper, 50 cents, then visit my7chakras.com forward slash breathwork intro. Always keep these sessions super simple, especially for beginners. Breath, my7chakras.com forward slash breathwork intro. So Kim, thank you so much for joining us today, talking to us about the importance, significance, and the power of intuition and taking us one step closer to a human revolution. Thank you. It's been great. Seven Chakras at my seven chakras.com. That is my S E V E N chakras.com. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, 
planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.